0: Salam. I am your host, Shebi and you are listening to I Am Nala Podcast. Welcome to another episode of I Am Nala Podcast. My guest today is the spokesperson of the government of Rwanda, Yoland Makulu. Uh, welcome, Yoland. How are you? Thank you. Uh, I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. In three words, who is Yoland? Yoland is a civil servant. One more word? Amada. Amada. Mother. Mother. Um, I know this is not the usual interview you'd have because my questions would be more about you as a woman in leadership uh, spaces beyond your important role in representing the government. So we really want to have an insight into how you got to where you are, how you navigate these spaces you're in. We get to know you along the person, you along the human and the professional, of course. Um, so I, I want to start from your life between Canada and Rwanda and how did you grow up and how was the transition?
1: I actually grew up in Kenya. I grew up in I was born in uh, the DRC. Um, I'm a half Congolese actually. Uh, my father was Congolese and my mom is uh, was Rwandan uh, but I grew up in Kenya as a refugee. Uh, with, uh, with my mom, my dad died when I was young and we moved to Rwanda when I was a child. Uh, my mom was a widow with, uh, you know, five kids. So I grew up, went to uh, primary school and secondary school in Nairobi. Um, and then I moved to Canada when I went to university.
0: So what what age was that when you moved to Nairobi? I, I moved to Nairobi when I was four. Hmm. So do you feel like Pan-African because you moved to different places?
1: Completely. Because I was, I was born in, uh, in Lubumbashi, in the DRC. Um, and I spoke uh, when I was a child I spoke uh, chiluba and uh, which is uh, one of the languages in the DRC and Swahili and then um in Nairobi and, and French and when I moved to to Nairobi I learned English and Kenyan Swahili um so and, and then then, when I moved back to Rwanda, uh, my Kenya Rwanda is uh, still improving. So I, I really feel uh, uh, very, very African,
0: very Pan-African. Hmm. Um, so did you have in mind from that journey, uh, especially after university, that you would work in government? Was that something, or what was the dream when you were a little girl and you're like, I wanna be this profession?
1: Well, I've always been fascinated by media. And uh, since I was um, uh, basically a, a young teenager, I was um, very interested in the uh, aspect of representation. How how are people represented? How do people present themselves? Who represents represents them? Uh, what, what Who talks about their experience, especially in the media? And I, was, I was growing up um, at a time when CNN was becoming a, a big thing. Um, and uh, we're getting used to this cycle of 24-hour news. I saw, I saw people in the news uh, representing different causes and different governments and so forth. Uh, not many women, but there were a few who stood out back then, and I, I thought that was fascinating that someone could actually speak for their organization or their country, and that I thought that was really attractive, and I wanted to find a way to get involved in something in that sector,
0: so you started then working in the media.
1: Yes, I, I mean, uh, I only uh, I uh, I studied film and and language at university, and um and and I came back to, to Rwanda to work for the government. I I after what happened in Rwanda actually in ninety four with the genocide against the Tutsi, which happened when I was in university, um I had I I didn't have any plans to to come back to Rwanda after what had happened to all that I had seen that had happened here and um I I was I was okay living in Canada I was you know satisfied in in you know with you know basic things I felt that I was you know safe and I would do okay uh there and then 9 11 happened <laughs> uh 9 11 happened and that was a big lesson for me because then I realized that even though I'm not, I claimed not to be interested in politics, politics was interested in me wherever I am. And uh, and, and really nowhere in the world is safe unless people work for it. And I, I felt compelled to be involved in something that was meaningful that would be close to my people and not hide uh, from, you know, the challenges that this region was was facing, especially my country. And because I belong to, you know, the three countries in this region, especially. So I decided to come back and I I came straight to work for for the government of Rwanda. I was was fortunate enough to get a job in in the government, in communications, and I've been in government uh, since, and it's been... It's 20 years now, and it's passed by so fast. Uh, my head, my head keeps spinning since the day one, since the day I got here in January 2003, until now. It's never stopped. It's complete. It's nonstop. I mean, Rwanda is constantly on the move. Huge, huge challenges. Uh, many changes happening very, very fast. Um, it's um, it's it's exciting. It's hard work. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's very interesting for me and, um, uh, I'm, I'm completely, completely taken by this. Uh, so th- there's a lot going on t- on a, on a personal level with, with my family and, uh, w- with work and belonging to a country that, you know, that means something that is trying to do the best that it can with what it has as part of this continent and, um, I think I made I made the right decision to to come home not only to Rwanda but come home to to Africa and be part of uh, making this uh, our country and our continent better mm. to the it's
0: it, it sounds like it's a calling. it was a calling because you were you were living your life you were going about your life and then now you're like in the middle of action so it it's it really sounds like a beautiful calling um. But Rwanda is, is uh, of course, known for being, um, you know, having a parliament that has a majority women and uh, having women in key leadership positions and so on. But, you know, even though when women occupy their, their spaces, doesn't mean patriarchy disappears um, on a daily basis and daily experience. So while navigating government, navigating media spaces and communication, um, career, what? How? How did patriarchy manifest for you? What did you face as as a woman?
1: Um, it definitely exists not only in the workplace but uh, within society in, in general. I think we're. I'm personally very lucky to have worked and continue to work for um, a president that's a champion for for women empowerment and and equality, really equality, um, and uh, having this kind of uh, orientation from the very top. Uh, and w- working hard to bring everyone along and and, and leading by example, you know, uh, there's so many women in the, the president's office, in the ministries. the cabinet is, I think half women right now. Um, so we, we, we have a president who not only just says it, but he actually shows it and he's not shy to talk about women empowerment and the issues that women women face. Um, and uh, but it's uh, of course it helps. Um, it brings uh, even those who are not somewhat reluctant uh, along but then we uh, you know we take this these positions and um which uh are right basically we, we have a right to be here uh, Ronda is uh, 51 or 52 percent women right now and uh I mean we always say I mean the president says, not involving women to the fullest extent that you can is just basically shooting yourself in the foot. You need everyone. There's so much work to do in Rwanda. So we fully occupy these places when we when we get here. And I have always been encouraged, even as a young woman starting out in government, it wasn't an issue of... Um, uh, uh, we, we felt f- completely fully empowered at work. Um, and... Uh, but then uh, when we encountered, uh, you know challenges with with patriarchy then we navigate around those um using our positions but also using our own cultural um awareness I mean in Rwanda Rwandans um there's a I mean in general Rwandan Rwanda's respect women at some level um so it's it's a question of of balancing um and getting things done by using a combination of the clout that you get from being in positions of responsibility, but the knowledge that we have of what works in our culture and where, where there's cultural aspects that that, that are an obstacle, uh, we're encouraged to just push that away. <laughs> like we'll keep from our culture what works for all of us and just get rid of... Uh, uh, practices and mentalities that are not useful uh, that keep w- women and girls back. So uh, I have found that uh, we've been able to do that in 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 the spaces that we are. Of course, I'm I'm speaking as a privileged woman. I have an education, a university education, um, and I'm working uh, in you know in, in government. So there's a certain authority that comes with a job. Um, so. But women navigate in these spaces in different ways in, in in Rwanda, in the rural areas versus urban urban areas. I also feel a responsibility to do what I can uh, to pass on the uh what what I have learned and what I have in this position to younger women, to uh, to women who are. Um, in different situations. For instance, I really believe in uh, solidarity between urban and rural women because in many ways we we are um, in, in some ways we are, we have more privileges than they do, not just eco- economically. So I, I, I think me and my peers also have a responsibility to reach out, hold hands um and and you know move together with the women who are not necessarily in positions that that we're in and also um just ensure that we are in in the the work that we do especially in policy making to really have that in mind how how does that how does this policy affect women of different backgrounds will it will it will will it make them more involved or less will it disadvantage them or will it give them a, a leg up We're very conscious of this throughout uh, the policy making process so um it's uh you know having a holistic view of, of what it means to to promote uh, and defend equality uh, in in policy making from just like Physical presence, you know, you enter a room and you look around, uh, and in Rwanda, when you look, you enter a room full of men. It's strange, and and people say it's like mm, something wrong here, you know. Even men themselves say, "Oh, there's a bit of this place seems a little bit uh, it, it's not it's not balanced." So we we're very conscious of that, uh, and because we know there's still so much work to do, <laughs> you know, the quotas are there. We have our thirty percent. Participation of women in public decision-making bodies—that's stipulated in our constitution—and this is something we work hard at doing. Otherwise, you know, you have boards that have seventy-five percent men, violating the constitution. So we have to work hard to ensure the thirty percent minimum is met. So that's an active thing that we we, we do and on our minds every day. To you know, to ensuring that um, you know budgets uh, have. That aspect of uh, of gender, uh, that gender aspect covered as well. So it's a it's a holistic uh, way to look at things. And I would say in Rwanda today, it's it's normal. We have f- many fights to fight still, but I think we are we're on the right path and we have uh, the right uh, sort of uh, right kind of leadership to get to get this thing to get it done. <laughs>
0: I'm really glad you mentioned supporting younger women um, at Nala Femme Collective. We have a manifesto and uh, I have 10 demands. And one of the demands is this intergenerational co-leadership because we have a huge generation gap on the continent and a leadership position. So I think your message of women in positions of power and positions of influence to support younger women is is very important to pave the way. Um, when was the last time you experienced misogyny or, you know, because when young women and girls look at these positions and they think it's glamorous and it's, you know, you have influence, you have space, uh, uh, you're economically empowered, but you might not, you know, publicly um, uh, seen as the challenges you face every day as a woman. And I'm sure misogyny, I'm sure things challenges that happen on, on a daily basis are things that we all go through. Um, maybe the last time you experienced something like this that you felt again, (laughs) but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do me right because you are, as you said, moving forward and you are moving the needles.
1: No, I mean, um, I think it's a you know every day there's a, it's basically I think what we call now micro, micro aggression, uh, micro sexism if that exists, you know, standing in line in the pharmacy and a guy will just come and doesn't care that... I, I don't walk around with a badge that says I'm the government spokesperson. <laughs> no one cares. Not even my son cares about that. Actually, my kids don't care about that. But, you know, in the pharmacy, um, standing in line and someone will just come in front of you and you'll be like, excuse me, sir, there's a there's a line here. You, can, you, you can't do that in you know, a supermarket or pharmacy traffic in traffic uh, aggressive driving every day um at, at work I, I i would say not so much uh, it's, it's a little bit uh, it's difficult uh, 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 today for me uh, maybe when i was younger uh, being uh, when i was younger in the job being underestimated was uh, happened but then I think through, you know, just hard work and showing that you, you can do it, um, I, I over, overcame that. And also um, not keeping quiet when you see something that needs to be corrected. And this is something we've, uh, we've always felt encouraged to do uh, within government, uh, you know, as respectfully as possible to everyone around, but just, you know, mentioned that, excuse me, I think this is not the way we want to do things. Today, it's um, you know in in the society um, uh, those incidents that you know make you <laughs> remind you that we still have a, a long way to go. I'm very active online also on Twitter, um, and I get uh, I get bashed a lot. <laughs> I guess I just ignore it because you know it's just social media. But a lot of that, those uh, it's not criticism. The insults uh, sometimes get very uh you know misogynistic um but uh not that it, it, it doesn't really disturb it I think it disturbs my kids more than it d- disturbs me but it's it's not nice to see <laughs> I think it's it's mostly mostly that and I think even in family situations sometimes um when you point out things that are that should be done better and then you Tend to get a reputation as uh, the person who speaks a lot. She's always correcting people, you know, (laughs) which I don't mind either. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. and and I I encourage young, younger women to do that. The girls in the family, I encourage them to you know, you can do this, and you have your space, and you belong, and you know, being dismissed because you're a girl not acceptable. Don't accept it now. Don't accept it ever. Find you know find find your voice and and uh, register your objection and then show that you can do it as
0: well yeah. that that definitely resonates um so take us through your day i mean i've seen you obviously media is something you do every day talking to the media um and crafting positions and messaging and also i've seen you writing articles in a couple of uh, platforms um so th- basically for young women aspiring to your career what what would be um, a typical day for you Doing your job, basically.
1: Um, first of all, we're fortunate enough that uh, about a year ago, we uh, w- government decided to change working hours to uh, to more family friendly working hours. So uh, work starts at nine now. Uh, school starts uh, a little bit earlier. We used to start at seven officially, seven in the morning, and now we start at nine. And part of the reason was to to improve family life. So I'm able to have breakfast with my with my with my kids, and drop them off at school before I, I come to work. So for, I'm I'm grateful for that. Uh, so I'm able even if I get home late, I know I have had breakfast with them and we have you know travelled in the morning together. So that's that's great. And then uh, the rest of the day is about I have colleagues here. Uh, we're uh, the government uh, communications office for for the government of Rwanda, so we could government communication. So there's a lot of training that's happening here. Um, meetings to plan events uh, with other government institutions. I attend a lot of that. Uh, many virtual meetings as well. Uh, even talking to media. A lot of it is uh, via Zoom, hence the backdrop. You see that backdrop there? So it's this is we basically turned this into a studio because I do a lot of interviews seated right here at my desk. Um, and then... Uh, I, uh, I try to read it a lot in the morning, quiet time before it gets crazy. Just read up on what's happening around the world, what's happening in Rwanda. um I listen to the radio uh, quite a bit, especially early in the morning. And I catch up with the news uh, first thing in the morning so that uh, I'm able to have some idea of what's happening around me before the, the, the day gets away. And then... Um, it's, uh, it's 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 basically meetings and working on on documents and making calls and coordinating with colleagues across government all day. and then try to get home before my uh, my son, who's younger, uh, goes to sleep. Um, so I'm able to, you know ask him about school and help with with homework. Um, so all is trying to to balance uh, home life and, and family life. And then trying to get as much done as possible so that I can have a, a weekend, you know, Fr- Friday evening, meet with friends, Saturday, do something with the family, uh, catch up with that because the week is so, so busy. Uh, so basically, that's my day. Very boring <laughs> during the day. Very boring in the sense that routine, not the, not the content, not the work that I'm doing, but it's uh, it's not super
0: glamorous all the time. It's, it's constant working, constant working. Um, well, I, I had a question when you were speaking, especially about news, because you work in an area where probably on the table, bad news comes in first <laughs> and controversial news and things you have to deal with. Um, how do you disconnect? Perhaps if you have tools uh, or, or advice or strategies where you ground yourself or where you don't get really hyped with all of the news coming in so you can be able to make those decisions you have to do.
1: That's a challenge I have. I wish I could find a way to get organized so I could disconnect more. I want to exercise a little bit more for my health. Uh, Actually, here in Kigali, where our building is, uh, we have a big roundabout. We're next to the prime minister's office. So there's something called the Kimihura roundabout, the prime minister's uh, office roundabout. And it's just being revamped as we speak. I can see the bulldozers out there. They're building a track around the roundabout. So hoping when that's done, uh, we'll be able to exercise more. And there's a nice garden in the middle uh, with benches and walking paths um, and indigenous trees, nice indigenous trees uh, in Mm -hmm. there. So I'm hoping that will help me and my colleagues maybe have some standing or walking meetings in the, in the, in the park, in the park roundabout, though, that would be nice. Uh, but it's a constant challenge. Luckily I enjoy it. I love reading the news. I love watching the news. I want to see what's happening on Twitter. What are Rondon saying? What What's happening around the region? Um, so even during the, the weekend, I really don't switch off because, uh, I need to know what's happening, but I also enjoy knowing what's what's happening. So I'm constantly uh, on. Um, so when, I guess they say when you enjoy uh, your work, then it feels like it's not work uh, a lot of the time. So I, uh, but I know that I need to uh, make more of an effort to disconnect, especially to spend more time with my, with my kids and with my family. Um, and also find some time to enjoy the country, you know, where we're promoting Visit Rwanda. There are places I haven't been yet. I want to do that. (laughs) Uh, And even Kigali is changing so much. I want to find the time to try out the new restaurants, Um, very many nice places to hike in Kigali. You know, there's a hill. Everywhere you look, there's a hill. And when you have hills everywhere, then you have a fantastic uh, view. So, you know, it's a million-dollar view from every hill in Kigali. So I'd, I'd like to do a lot more of, of that. Yeah,
0: yeah, the country of thousands of hills. Um, yeah, since you talked about visit Rwanda, what do you think uh, to the young people listening to us would be the top sectors to really invest in if they want to embark on Rwanda?
1: I mean, right now we are... <laughs> We're really looking to encourage people to enter the mining sector, because there's a it's it's very unexplored. Uh, there are abundant, high quality minerals, uh, but mining requires a lot of inf- investment. It's a lot of work. It takes a long time to to really um, it takes some time to to to, to build uh, uh, this kind of uh, a company. But but we need to because the re- returns are, are great. We are reorganizing the sector right now uh, with a new policy and enforcing the new policy as regards, you know, safety and of the of people in, working in the mines, but also environmental um, management so that we don't destroy our our natural environment. But I, I think it's an interesting sector to 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 get into, uh, especially as regards, uh, you know, a lot of. Uh, minerals now that are needed for the en- energy tran- transition, like lithium um, and you know tantalum and cassiterite. Um, but the challenge is not just come and you know mine and then send away the soil like we've been doing for for centuries, I guess, now decades all over Africa. But get value out of the minerals here. So build a factory that will extract these minerals here and get the most out of it. Because we're sending away a lot of our soil uh, when, without even knowing what's in it, you know, selling so- just raw soil um, that contains minerals that could make uh, many types of minerals that could make a real difference in our economy. So I think that's exciting. It doesn't sound exciting? I think mining is not exciting for a lot of people, but for for us as a as a sector in the economy, it's uh, I think it's it's interesting. So if I had a lot of money, I would. Invest in mining, but tourism um, is is growing rapidly. Um, it's recovered uh, to pre-COVID levels. Um, experiences are getting better here. We're setting up facilities that are ever, ever better. Uh, the you mentioned the convention center. Uh, so business events is a big thing in Rwanda now. Employs a lot of people, a lot of young people involved in in um, Professional conference organizing, in you know setting up uh, these places to look to look good and servicing them, uh, and producing these big events. Uh, that's that's a, it's a new thing here in the service sector, but there are um, few companies, uh, good ones, run by Rwandans who are relatively young and doing really well. The women deliver was uh, was um, organized by a, a couple of. Uh, Local companies that did a really good job. Um, we had more recently we had something called uh, the World Travel and Tourism uh, Council. It was a, it's a one of the, it's the biggest tourism event of the year, and that was really well done, well appreciated. All the top people in the industry was here, and it was serviced and organised by two of the bigger uh, we call them PCO professional conference organisers here. They did an excellent job. So I think it's an exciting industry also for, for young people to do things in, in a fresh and a, a new way. And, um, yeah, so, that and of course, construction is always big. Everything ne- needs to be built, you know, from schools to homes, especially affordable homes. So that's a good sector to, to invest in. There's a shortage of afford- affordable homes in uh, especially in Kigali. So that's something that we're, we're looking into.
0: How many young people you have in your office? I think the majority are,
1: are young. <laughs> uh, I'm sitting here with, uh, how old are you? He's 22. <laughs> Very hard working. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, how many young people are here? I, I think over half. Like the whole audiovisual team, for instance, are except for one person, they're all under 30. I, I would say more than half are under 30. I'd like more yeah I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm increasing the average age here. maybe it's time for me to go.
0: <laughs> no we want you there <laughs> We want you there so we can bring more young people because you know it, it we really need uh people with a mindset that we need young people in the space. Um, and I was fascinated when I first uh, went to Rwanda with um, when I was the youth envoy working on youth and leadership, um, we actually published a report and put Rwanda as a case study for the um, internship program that you have of young people in public service. It's actually the largest on the continent. And then a lot of young people are retained after that type of opportunity. So I think it's important that a lot of people in these spaces of leadership to consider what is the average age of my office and how many young people I have in my office. So. Uh, so I'm glad you are also an example of that I wanted to ask about um, your speech writing because you were a speech writer and I wanted to know what was maybe the memorable speech that you've ever written and why
1: uh, Well, all the speeches I've worked on it's always been with a team um, I, I don't have one specific one but I think um, I, I really enjoyed my time working as a speech writer for the president for President Kagame and um, Because um, the president has very clear positions that have been very consistent since before 1994, since the early 90s. If you look at the the speeches during the liberation struggle, it's the same themes, very consistent, very fundamental principles that have guided the growth of this country. I enjoyed working with with the president because... um, whether it was about you know quantum physics or input expert, it was the same principles. Go back to the same principles and he was very clear about what needed to be said um, all the time because it comes back to the same fundamental principles about where he sees Rwanda and his vision for our future prosperity and unity. So that was a great experience for me and I think every every speech that we worked on uh, for him and, and with him was was really a joy you know and we got to the point where we were able to of course he challenged us all the time uh, and every speech he makes he, um, he made it his own but it was it was uh, it was such a pleasure to work with uh, with a leader who knew exactly, what he wanted out of every speech it really make, made our work easier he was actually the speech writer and we just put in the commas and make sure that the, the typing was straight on the page you know
0: yeah i was going to ask does he stick to the script or he goes off script <laughs> um it
1: depends and and, and uh, interestingly enough um the ones uh, the speeches where he goes off script have often been the best the the spontaneous ones really um you asked for my favorite speech, but my favorite, one of my favorite lines, it's my on my Twitter bio. Uh, and this was something that came out. We didn't write it in a speech. Uh, it was a closing of a government retreat. And of course, he threw away the paper this time, the speech, and he, he just spoke straight from the heart um, because he really cares about having leaders around him who are not just technocrats, but have a heart for Rondans. So he said uh, something that deeply, deeply touched me, and I think about it every day. And he said uh, about Rwanda, that what we have set out to do is not for the half-hearted, let alone the heartless. So that just really encapsulates the the spirit of of, of Rwanda and the people who pulled this country from the apocalypse of 1994. So you're doing it not just with the all the technical knowledge and skills that you we we, we have learned, but also with a heart for for the people. Because really it's about it's about Rwandans, about ordinary Rwandans who trust us with, with their vote and with their taxes and 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 you know, just with even just trusting that we're making the right decisions. So having a heart for the people uh is really what uh uh, what I think drives uh, President Kagame, and 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 working for for him, you quickly realize that if you do not have a heart for for this country and and its people, then you're not you're not moving this country forward. So we all try really hard. At least I, I try every day. It's a challenge constantly because you know human beings sometimes you get a little bit selfish, uh, maybe even a bit arrogant at times, um but come back to to the center, back to the core, heart for the people. It's not for the half-hearted. You cannot be half-hearted because Rwanda is uh uh it's too important and it, it's it's uh, many complicated problems that we have to solve. So you have to be all in. So that's that's that was my favorite line from from the president's speech and
0: um I did not write it. <laughs> <laughs> um what what has been your proudest uh moment or you consider achievement throughout these 20 years
1: uh so many um uh so many proud moments being part of this team really uh we uh so many things that we've done together with the uh, with very little i mean and when you get feedback from i think the, the the major events that we organize for instance um that seem very overwhelming because we're in the eye we're everyone is watching what's happening here uh, we 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 hosted the commonwealth heads of government forum um Last year, heads of government summit. Last year, we had uh, close to thirty heads of uh, state here in June of last year. Um, that was uh, and had been postponed for a while because of COVID. So we finally got it done, and that was a that was a proud moment for us because that was the it was a, the most number of heads of state we've ever had here from all over the world, and multiple venues, and we were able to. To 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 pull it off uh, without without incident, our guests were happy. Uh, that was a really proud moment for for me. And there have been many uh, moments like that where we are faced with this big, overwhelming task, and the only way to do it is you know just to push through and with a, with a uh, not just technically again, but actually caring about getting it done properly. And we have so many people in government, a lot of young people as well, just working day and night uh, to get this done. A lot of women, especially in events, there's so many women in, involved in this. Um, and when we get things like this done, it's really a, a source of great satisfaction and, and pride for, for all of us. And I'm, I'm really, really happy to be to have played a small part in that. So it's great to be part of this team. It's like, you know, it feels like... Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Um I think I uh, maybe share about our latest uh, ongoing campaign sure. <laughs> that we're working on with the uh, with the colleagues here at the president's office uh, sorry no at the, at the government communications office we have a campaign called too less too less uh, was uh, it's a campaign to encourage responsible drinking alcohol drinking and discourage abuse of alcohol and dis- uh, and uh, create awareness for um, about underage drinking, because drinking under 18 is not allowed, it's, it's a crime in, in Rwanda as well. Uh, serving alcohol to anyone under 18 is, is illegal in Rwanda. So recently um, we were thinking of uh, the next phase of our campaign a couple of months ago, and we decided to, as management, to give this campaign to the staff the younger staff, under 30 staff. Uh actually the under 28. Uh but in their 20s, because like the managers are not going to decide on this campaign because they have no idea what's going on with young people uh partying and uh overindulging in alcohol and you know endangering their health and their safety. So uh the young people came up with something that we would never have thought of. Uh so we have what's called tumwe less campaign. Tumwe means let's drink less and it came from a beyonce song tungela tungela <laughs> so uh, I, I loved it and uh we were so happy here that we let go and gave it to people who actually know what's happening and they're able to to come up with a really cool campaign based on a you know a very popular uh song by a very popular uh american singer beyonce and we've been running with this uh, for the last few months we have uh, we're running it through the holiday season as well, and it's 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 very exciting, and we we have many events around Tumales. So we are uh, as we're coming up to the uh, you know holiday season, we're just encouraging everyone to
0: drink responsibly and be safe. Tumales, Tumales, I I love it, and you know this is a great message actually before the holidays because people think that holidays is time to party till morning and get wasted and have a messy week basically but actually it's the time to be the healthiest you know and to exercise and get your thoughts together and your reflection and time for you to to be you so uh it's it's i think your message is pretty clear to be whatever the hell you want to be and to the fullest and be you, you and be live it to be and, and, and listen to your calling because in the silence there is an answer so thank you so much for being a light in this world and thank you for being on the show And we see you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much. God bless. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) It's a really great message uh, to end this episode. I want to thank you so much, Yolande, for your time and for carrying this agenda and for paving the way for young people in your office and wherever you are to uh, better Rwanda. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's, It's been a pleasure. And all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. To learn more, visit our website, nalafem.org. Follow us on social media at Nalafem and IG account at Podcast. You can also give us a five-star review on all podcasting platforms if you enjoyed this episode. Sign our manifesto, nalafmorg slash manifesto and keep on the conversation. Leave a comment below.